It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name is Brian Black. I'm here with Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. How are we doing today? Good weekend? Great weekend. I can feel fall in the air. It's great to be alive. Yes, it is great to be alive. I've got a friend who actually argues that fall begins on Labor Day, but I, I think he's crazy, especially in Vegas, that uh, we need to stick with the calendar day of fall. Well, I started feeling it about Labor Day, but uh, today <laughs> was just a wonderful day. Well, you're a longtime Vegas resident, so maybe your your definition of cooling off is a little different than everyone else's, you know. Um, I saw an, an article um, earlier this year, uh, the 10-year anniversary of the Terry Schiavo case. I'm sure yes. that a lot of our listeners remember the Terry Schiavo case, a young woman who uh, collapsed unexpectedly one day. Uh, she was eventually diagnosed uh, with a condition where basically her brain was starved of oxygen. It's called hypoxic encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. Yeah, sorry about that. If you say so, Brian. Yes, exactly. Anyway, it was a, a huge landmark case, and uh, there was, a, there was a, a big media controversy surrounding the case. And uh, it made me think about your practice at Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Um, you do estates. You do wills and trusts. Uh, you do crisis management. You do planning for retirement, planning for long-term care. Um, and and the one word keeps coming up over and over in all the things that we've talked about in the past few weeks, which is planning. Yes. And uh, this is something that I've experienced firsthand, and I think a lot of people have, um, when somebody gets to a point where you don't know whether they would want to live, it becomes important for that person to have expressed their own opinion before they were incapacitated. Am I correct in that? That, that is correct. That, uh, you mentioned Shivo. Uh, that was the problem in the Shivo case is that they <clears throat> had not planned for that eventuality. Right. And she became incompetent, and so no one knew really what she wanted to do uh, with her own life. And uh, her parents at that time wanted to uh, keep her alive. Her husband, when she was declared to uh, uh, be in a vegetative state, felt that all of the uh, um, medical devices that were keeping her artificially alive be removed. Right. Well, this became quite a long and lengthy process in 15 years after she became, um, in, went into a vegetative state. They finally took her off of those uh, life-sustaining support uh, processes and she was allowed to die but she died of starvation. Uh, did she feel it? Uh, medical doctors say no, she didn't feel anything. Right. She was in a vegetative state and she was just allowed to pass on. But it became quite, a, quite an issue when she failed to, to plan for it. The issue hasn't gone away in the intervening it years. Not. It's been 10 years, and we still see cases. And um, there have been several cases where you know the parents have decided that they were the ones who wanted the uh, life support to be taken away, but the spouse did not want it to be taken away. And, and vice versa, and say all different, you know, um, especially when there's a child involved. Uh, I think a lot of people get very much more emotional when they don't. They, this person has never really had an adult opinion to start with, and so the, it rests entirely with the parents and with the family. Um, 
unusual cases like that are not exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. I, I think that we should uh, we should probably concentrate on the average person who's not going to have an unexpected medical catastrophe young in life before they would even think. But there's definitely the real possibility that as we age and as we we you know, progress in life, that it becomes more and more likely that we're going to be hospitalized at one point and possibly uh, enter into a state where we can't speak to ourselves, speak for ourselves, excuse me. So, um, you know, and of course, you know, it would be great if when you turn 21 years old, you thought about all these things and, and wrote down exactly what you would like to happen in every circumstance. But I think it's a lot more likely when we get to the point in our life, when we start planning for the the latter half of our life. What What do you need to do to plan for this? Well, you need to uh, remember that we're not immortal, that things can happen. Uh, some of the, th the issues that come up are accidents. We can get in an accident. Sure. Our, our brains can be damaged. We may get to a state where we're in a vegetative state or we're in a coma. We, we just don't know what's happening. We be could become brain dead. And that can happen in, in a nanosecond. Yes. Uh, there could be a stroke and people are uh, now having strokes at younger ages because of cholesterol problems mm -hmm. or high blood pressure or whatever and it causes brain damage and they no longer have capacity to really make those decisions any longer. It could be uh, cancer to the brain and all of a sudden they don't have the ability to make those decisions. Right. It could be Alzheimer's. And as people grow older, the general population grows older, we're seeing more and more uh, people coming up with Alzheimer's. And they say if a person lives long enough, they will have Alzheimer's. Right. And Alzheimer's is just one <clears throat> uh, uh, situation where there's dementia. There are other kinds of dementia problems. But all of these things are coming about and, and getting a, a larger and larger portion of the population where they need some type of either a living will, which is a directive to physicians as to what they want done if they can't make that decision, right. uh, or having durable powers of attorney, medical durable powers of attorney, they get to the point where they can't make those decisions themselves, then they would like to appoint someone to make those decisions for them. Financially, the same thing. So it takes planning. <clears throat> that means they have to consider their mortality as soon as they can in their life and, and document what they want done in the event something happens to them. When we return from the break on Ask the, uh, Ask the Experts here with Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, you can give him a call at 702-257-5396 if you have a question. We're going to be talking about some of the laws that are in effect, especially you know across the country and especially here in Nevada, uh, regarding living wills and subjects around that matter. We'll be right back. Thank you. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. Brian Black here with you. I'm sitting here with Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates, and we're talking about uh, planning for uh, eventual, I guess, catastrophe. Uh, we were talking about the Terry Schiavo case, uh, celebrating, not celebrating, commemorating the 
10-year anniversary earlier this year of the young lady who unfortunately had to be taken off of life support, but not before a huge legal battle ensued. And uh, I believe that a lot of people have this enter their lives, either tertiary or or with a, a loved one who's very close to them, where we don't know what somebody would have wanted when they enter a, a vegetative state and they can't express themselves. And we were talking about the case and we're talking about what Brian A. Lowe and Associates can do to help you plan for an unfortunate eventuality. Uh, one question I was going to ask you, Brian, um, are there any laws in effect? Um, I know that there was recently a, a high profile case of a right to die legislation legislation in California. Are there any laws in effect in Nevada that somebody should be aware of when they're drafting what you would call a living will? Uh, No, we're a pretty conservative state here. And those who uh, feel that they have uh, or should avail themselves of a right to to die state will generally go to uh, one of the other states. I think there are five. I don't know which uh, or, or five, uh, the five, I know one of them is Oregon, where you can go and decide that, hey, it's my turn and, and I'd like to to die. Right. And uh, they will allow the person to do what it takes to uh, uh, move them from life to death as, as comfortably as they can. And there's a certain legal process there where they have to prove that there's, uh, there's a condition yeah. that they can't overcome. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. When the, when the ordinary person, uh, you know, there's a there's a, a family person who is thinking about, you know, setting up a will, setting up a trust, and then they start thinking about the living will because they've encountered this in their life and they don't want to be that person who's caught unprepared. What do you need to do to put that together? First of all, they need have to have capacity. And so this means that a person before they become incapacitated and can't make those decisions themselves, need to come in and, and do a, uh, a living will, a directive to physicians saying that if certain things happen, I do not want to be kept artificially alive. Right. I do not want to be in a vegetative state. I, I, if, I, if I live, I want to live. And there are two kinds of lives. One is brain living or, right. you know, your body is technically alive and the other is living a normal life. And once you get to the point where you can no longer enjoy a normal life, some people say, well, it's time for me to move on. And, and they can plan around that and, and sign documentation to that effect so that they aren't going to be kept artificially alive. Now, are there legal limitations as to what you can tell the physicians to do or not do? Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, is, is it legal for the physicians to follow certain orders? Or it it yes. seems like a very muddy waters there. Yes, because it's them that's making that medical decision. Uh, in a lot of cases, in most living wills, it'll say that if the physicians feel as though there is... is uh, uh, a very, very low probability of surviving or having a meaningful life, then the, uh, uh, a, this board of physicians will decide, hey, it's time. Uh, we don't think that they should be kept on life supports. And, and generally with a living will, when that comes, then the decision is, is should we take them off and... The living will says, yes, I mean, the person 
who signed the living will is saying, yes, take me off. And so there's no decision that somebody else has to make. Now, it's good, even if you have a medical durable power of attorney where someone else is making that decision, Mm -hmm. it's good to have a living will. I know with my father, he decided he was dying of cancer and he was taking chemotherapy and he uh, got to the point where it was so rough on his body that he he didn't have any meaningful life. He was just suffering. Right. And so he told his oncologist that, no, I don't want to go on with uh, with uh, the chemo. And the doctor says, well, you'll die. And he says, well, so be it. And so he went to uh, went home and, and within a week he died. Uh, but right at the end, the question that was raised with my mother was, you know, is there something we should do? Do you want us to do something? And she said, no, just let him pass. And um, she indicated to me that it was really, really good that he had executed a living will because that was his will. And she said without it, she would have felt as though she was an instrument in bringing about the, the death of her husband. She right. did, want, did not want to consider herself as, uh, uh, you know, someone that was killing him. Right. And uh, so that was very helpful to her. Oh, yes. And, and you, you, when you're in that position and you don't, you may have even had the conversation, but when somebody was in the full uh, control of their faculties and they sat down with an attorney and they drafted a document that, that very clearly defines how they feel and how they want things to proceed, then I, I guess it does bring a certain peace of mind. And of course, it's uh, from a legal standpoint, it, you know, you're able to completely justify a decision like that. Yes. And, uh, you know, there are different things that people want in their own living wills. Some people will come in and and specifically identify exactly the things that they do not want to take place uh, when they're in the dying process. Others will say, no, any of these factors here, uh, I don't want any life supports if any of these things happen. So uh, you can spell out what you want and and, uh, the physicians will, will abide by it. We're talking with Brian Lowe with Brian A. Lowe and Associates on AM seven twenty K Don. We've got a number. Um, we've got a call right here from John. He has a question for Mr. Lowe. John, are you there? Uh yeah. He, he mentioned the right to work state. It's a right to fire state, sir. Oh, uh, we're talking. We're we're not actually speaking about right to work today, sir. I'm sorry. We were talking about uh, 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 living will, talking living about wills. Education. Oh, living will. Yeah. Sorry about that, John. Um, Moving on to the next subject here, and if you do have a, a question for Mr. Lowe, give us a call at 702-257-5396. Um, and also, if you're interested in maybe setting up an appointment with Brian A. Lowe and Associates, you can have a free consultation. It's uh, 702-259-0002, or you can visit southernnevadalawyers.com and uh, check out the uh, practice and set up an appointment to see uh, Mr. Lowe. Uh, we were talking about setting up a living will. And can you give us some examples? We've only got about maybe a minute, minute and a half, but can you give us a couple of examples of things that people put in their living will? Well, uh, some people do not want to have uh, um, gastrointestinal feeding. Mm-hmm. They feel that once they get to the point where they cannot survive, 
without eating, without drinking, that they want to be able to, to pass. Right. Um, and so they'll say, well, you know, don't have a feeding tube into my gastrointestinal tract. Uh, other people will say, I, if, if my heart stops, don't use the paddles. Don't get me started up again. Mm-hmm. When maybe those paddles will, in fact, get them started up again. Uh, but they have spelled out, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, some people say they do not want to uh, have any kind of respiratory therapy. They know that they're going, they're going to die sometime. Right. And everybody's going to die. It's just a matter of when. And it's when they get to the point that they're not going to have a meaningful life, they would prefer just passing on and allowing the death process to move ahead. If you have a question for Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, please give us a call at 702-257-5396. You're listening to Ask the Experts, and we'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. I'm Brian Black talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. And we're talking about living wills today. Um, If we're going to plan for the rest of our lives, maybe we should start with planning for when we can't plan for ourselves. Um, When we're talking about a living will, we're talking about a document that that you sit down with an attorney and you you construct exactly how you would like your the end of your life to happen if you are not in a position to decide for yourself. Correct. Is there any time when um, you do a living will and you make certain stipulations as to what you'd like to happen when your doctor can disagree with you and that there is any, I mean, or, or is your word final in your living will? Well, the doctors are there and they have uh, the Hippocratic Oath. Mm-hmm. And they have the responsibility to save lives and to keep people alive. And so they want to keep them alive as long as they can. And so if a person goes onto the operating table Mm -hmm. and they, their heart stops. And I had a client uh, that was in that situation and he had suffered, uh, all of uh, 20 years of his life after having uh, an accident, having surgery on his back. And it was just really a terrible situation. And he had a living will and he told his physicians before the operation, if my heart stops or if I, if there's any uh, thing that happens to me that I'm dying, do not bring me back to life. In the surgery, his heart stopped. They got the paddles out. They started his heart up. Oh, my goodness. Which extended his life for a couple more years. Right. And he called me in soon after he got home. And he said, I had the living will. I went over that living will with the physicians. And they decided at the time that he could still live a, live a meaningful life, even though he was in pain, mm-hmm. he could still live, quote, quote, a meaningful life right. as, as they perceived it. And he wanted to sue them. And we decided that probably it wasn't in his best interest to, to pursue that. What had been done was done. Right. And he was going to die anyway. And his heirs, he didn't have many that was really concerned. And so... 
we didn't uh, proceed against the physicians. But yes, the physicians have a right. And I was a uh, 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 attorney, in fact, under a durable power of attorney, medical durable power of attorney one time for a client. And she'd put down that if certain things happened, then she didn't want to be remain alive. Right. Gastrointestinal feeding was one of those. Right. And so she went into a coma and I went to the doctor and I said, doctor, tell me, is there a probability that she can survive and have a meaningful life? And he said, yes. And I said, well, what's the probability? And I said, he said, 50-50. Oh. And so now the decision was mine as her attorney, in fact, under that medical durable power of attorney. Right. And I thought 50-50 is pretty good. Mm -hmm. says, uh, I think we will put her on gastrointestinal feeding sure. and bring her through this. And after about two years, she passed, never coming out of her coma. Right. I, on another case, the, the hospital gave me a call and said, I understand he has a living will. And there are some medical durable powers of attorney. Will you bring those over? And so I came over and, and I stood at the head of the bed. My, my client was right in front of me. Mm -hmm. His children were on one side and his spouse by a, a second marriage was on the other side. Right. And the spouse was saying, keep him alive, keep him alive. Mm -hmm. The children on the other side were saying, pull the plug, pull the plug. Mm -hmm. And the doctors were right in the middle. And of so course. They said, well, you know, there's a probability and the wife is really the first one that we will go to to decide. And so it was decided, keep him alive. So it sounds- And just an ending to that, Yeah. Three months later, he was out on the golf course. So wow. you, you never know. Sure. The doctors are trying to do their best. Mm -hmm. But it's it, since we're all going to die sooner or later, it's good to have that living well so that the person, the patient themselves, has a right to have an input into that decision. That's exactly what I was thinking, though, is instead of thinking of the living will maybe as the final word, it should be thought of as, as your part of the conversation that ensues, just as if you were sitting there talking in a group, you know, with all of the parties involved, including the doctor, including your children, including your spouse, everyone who would normally have input. It, that way you can at least, you know, make your own decision. Um, and so uh, we, we, when, when the doctor may or may not agree with you, you're talking about a durable power of attorney and you're talking about a living will. Is there is there anything that, that supersedes the other? Is there Do you need to have both of those in place? I, I, I'm not exactly clear on exactly what you need to do there. Well, generally when people come in to my office and we do a living will, mm -hmm. I generally have them also execute a, a medical durable power of attorney wherein they are saying if if certain things happen, mm -hmm. then my attorney, in fact, can, in fact, make those medical decisions for me and can, in fact, overrule the living will. Because sometimes that living will, it may be just the heart stoppage. You, you start it back up with a couple of paddles and live for another 20 years. Right. So the, the medical attorney, in fact, 
is very important because not every situation will may each situation may bring about death but but you still may have a meaningful life sure. by using the, those uh, medical procedures so having uh, someone a name to make that decision for you is very important. And so when you say attorney, in fact, you're speaking, that can be anyone who's appointed as the attorney, yes, in fact, and correct? Yes, it's, it's generally a family member, mm-hmm. uh, someone that understands what the patient really wants, uh, and uh, they trust that they'll make that decision as though they were there and competent at that time to make their own decision. And since they're not this next person who they trust to make the right decision will be there even to overrule the living will. How long is there a time limit on that sort of thing? I mean, can you set up a living will when you're 30 years old and it stays in effect for the rest of your life? Or is it, uh, is it something that you need to renew periodically? Well, it's, it should be good for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes people think that they are dated Mm -hmm. and they would, terminate after a certain period of time right some states have been that way and matter of fact california was was in that uh, that area where once it uh, reached a certain age the the power of attorney reached a certain age they didn't want to recognize it the only problem is is when they reach that age all of a sudden now they become incompetent and now it's of no value right and california switched that one pretty quick um so it uh, uh, power of attorney is generally good for the lifetime of the 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 grantor of the power as long as uh, uh, as, as long as they're what can I say. I'll tell you what, let's go to a short break right now, and we'll continue on that train of thought in just a moment. We're uh, talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates on Ask the Experts on AM 720 Don. If you have a call, give us one. If you have a question, give us a call. 702-257-5396. We'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. We're speaking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. We're talking about living wills and planning for the things you can't plan for. Uh, if you'd like to schedule an appointment with uh, Mr. Lowe at Brian A. Lowe and Associates, call 702-259-0002 for a absolutely free consultation. And if you've got a question right now on the show, uh, right now on the show, give us a call at 702-257-5396. Now we're talking about living wills, and I think that uh, uh, maybe I've been remiss, and I've focused a lot on people who. Uh, say, don't leave me plugged in, don't leave me, uh, don't feed me uh, with a feeding tube. You can say anything you want in a living will, correct? That's correct. So if you are the kind, if you're the person who believes in medical technology and that you want to live as long as possible, you can stipulate that as well. You can. And And some people do. So how many living wills have you done? You've been in practice for 30 years. How, how How many have you done? Haven't counted them, but they'd be thousands. And how many people that uh, when they come to you for planning and you introduce the idea of a living will, what is the response that you normally get? Most people will say, I'd like to have a normal living will under certain, the the normal circumstances Mm -hmm. that that society looks at. 
I don't want to be kept artificially alive. And that's because the, the I want standard. to I want to be able to have a meaningful life if I live. If I can't have that meaningful life, I don't want to be kept alive. Other people will say, well, I want to be very specific because of religious reasons. Uh, like some people will put in, I do not want to receive any blood transfusions right. for religious reasons. And mm-hmm. so they'll put that in. Uh, other people will say, keep me alive under a lot of other different circumstances. It's all up to the person. But if you're looking at numbers, out of the thousands of people that I've done living wills for, I could probably count on my two hands the number of people that says, I do not want a living will. I do not want it at all. Yeah, why would you do that? It's their own feeling. They they have the right to live if they want to live. And sure. Some people say, I don't care what it takes. I want to be kept alive, even if it's comatose for, for years. Right. Keep me alive. Well, that's that's their decision, and we'll put it in, the, in there. Uh, other people uh, say... I would like to very be very specific. I have my own ideas and own reasons, mm-hmm. and sometimes their religious background has a lot to to say about this because they feel that when it's their time to go, God will call them, and they right. don't want the uh, metal, medical technology to keep their spirits in their bodies mm-hmm. and keep them from going back to heaven. So they, uh, they will address that issue. But when you're looking at overall, probably 97% of all people just don't want to be kept alive if they're not going to have a meaningful life. Very interesting. I, we were talking earlier about when, when a child's involved and this person has you know, had an unfortunate accident or a, a medical condition that has put them in a coma or a vegetative state. Um, uh, there was uh, Jahi McMath, and I think she was in New York. Uh, no, excuse me, she was in California, and her parents wanted to keep her alive on uh, on support, and they ended up having to move her to New Jersey because right. there's a local state law that allows a religious objection to brain death. Yeah, meaning it was, that, a, it was a brain death situation, and exactly. California had, uh, wanted to remove, I mean, allow her to be... Uh, to die right. normally, and they didn't like that, so they did move to New Jersey, which would allow them to keep her alive, even though they, she was technically brain dead. You know, I think it's important to uh, to reassert here that when you're drawing up a, a living will, you are once again expressing your opinion as if you were a voice in the conversation. There's still room for a court or a, a doctor to say, "Well, this person's a lunatic. Look what they've look what they've asked for. This this is not." Not the right thing to do, and you know. Once again, you're you know, if if you're if everyone involved is saying no, 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 we've got to do this this way, then you know, your living will is your voice in the conversation, not necessarily the final word. That is correct. So, um, so I'm 45 years old. I'm starting to think about what I need to do uh, to protect my family and and also uh, express my opinion when I get to a point where I can't express my opinion. I go, I get, make a call, uh, 702-259-0002. I set up an appointment with Brian Alo. What do I do after that point? You come in, we talk about what your situa- situation is, what, what you think about life, what you think about death, what you uh, 
uh, would be willing to put up with to stay alive, mm-hmm. what you would not put up with to to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And then we try to draft it up in such a way that it becomes your document Mm -hmm. and your will will be done. It's your living will. Would you suggest talking to your family doctor before uh, coming in? Would you suggest maybe having a medical opinion about what what you might want or or might not want? Or is this more of a personal, private uh, type of thing? It's generally a, a personal, private thing. But if there are some medical situations in their life that could lead to um, death under certain circumstances, mm-hmm. we may want to address it legally. And so you may want to talk to your doctor and, and have him have some input. Sometimes people will say in their living will, if my doctor so-and-so feels this way, and sometimes we'll mention a doctor in there that will right. make that ultimate decision. So uh, we've, uh, we've had the conversation, and I believe that uh, this is part of the puzzle. You know, uh, if you're doing a living will, then you also need to be talking about your regular will. You need to be talking about uh, setting up your estate and, and all part of the same process. So we've had the conversation. We go to draft the document. Is it, is it that important to have an attorney do this for you, or is it something you can just do yourself? Can you just, you know, write a letter and say, this is what I want, or is it necessarily something you need to talk to an attorney about? You should talk to an attorney because each state is a little different. Mm -hmm. Some states require two witnesses Mm -hmm. to it. Some states require two witnesses and a notary. Mm -hmm. Some states require just a notary. Uh, Some states require three witnesses. I mean, every state is different. And so when you go to your lawyer, he will be practicing the law of the state in which you reside. And he will be able or she will be able to give you advice as to what you need to do to accomplish what you want to do in the event your life becomes terminal. It doesn't cost you a thing to talk to Brian Lowe uh, or one of the lawyers at Brian A. Lowe Associates. Please give him a call at 702-259-0002. It's an absolutely free consultation, just like this show is absolutely free. Um, is there any other piece of advice that you could give the audience regarding setting up a living will or, or, or anything of that nature that uh, they may not know at this time? When they do their living will, they should, in fact, also do the other durable powers of attorney. Mm -hmm. But this is all pre-need. It's something that you do when you have capacity. Once you do no longer have capacity, the planning is over. You don't have an input. That input will then uh, come through the physicians and what they want to do or the courts. Thank you for being with us today again, Brian Lowe. I I really enjoy talking to you every Monday at 9 a.m. on Ask the Experts. We'll be back next week. Thank you, Brian.